0: Welcome to the StatMed podcast, where we teach you how to study in med school and how to pass board-style exams. Your host is Ryan Orwick, a learning specialist who has over a decade of experience working with med students and physicians. Today, Ryan will be talking with Mike, a former StatMed class participant. Mike is sharing his crisis point, or the moment in med school when he first realized he was seriously struggling and needed to take action.
1: So you're, you're basically, you've been working through high school, through college, You you spend six or eight years of your life going to this point and getting through, through to be a doctor, and then in two weeks, it all gets stopped. It stops dead in its tracks.
0: I'm Ryan Orwig with StatMed Learning, where we talk about learning and test taking in med school and on medical boards. This is episode one of our Crisis Point series where I'm gonna to talk to physicians and med students who've experienced various crises on their personal paths toward becoming a doctor. Today, I'm with my old, one of my oldest students, Dr. Mike, who has volunteered graciously to share his multiple crisis points with us. I think it's safe to say I've spent more instructional hours with Mike than any other student in my very long career of working with med students and doctors. That's uh, quite the claim to fame, Mike. So, Mike, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hey, Ryan. So, um, I am a ER physician uh, in Florida. I'm family med boarded. I did an ER fellowship, and I've been out approximately three years out of fellowship. Um, we're currently living in Central Florida with my wife and two daughters. And by most people's standards, we have a very successful life. We have a boat, a new truck, and we even have a vacation house. So everything should be great,
0: right? It sounds, I mean, it sounds great. You know, Uh, I think, and I obviously know a lot about your story. And that's what we're going to get into here. Um, And I think your story on your journey to become a physician starts like most med students, smart kid, did well through high school and college. Somewhere along the way, you decide you want to be a doctor, you take the MCAT, you hate it, but you get through it, and you get into your DO program of choice. And then I guess you're just off to the races, right? Congratulations, you're in med school, you made it, you're on the fast track to you know, working in an ER in Florida with a vacation home and a happy wife, happy kids, blah, 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 right? So pretty fast track for you once you got into med school uh, to becoming an emergency medicine doc, Right. Well, not really. So Okay. So, a few bumps in the road, I guess you're saying? Yeah, I've definitely had
1: a few bumps, for sure.
0: (laughs) When was your first bump in the road in med school?
1: The first one was about two weeks into med school when I failed my first test (laughs) of many. All
0: right. Uh, That happens. So, then I guess what? You passed your second test? Nope. Failed that one, too. Oh, my. All right. All right. Wow. So so when did you realize that you were at this inflection point in your life, and your career, that you were actually having this sort of crisis, You that you were at a crisis point?
1: Well, after about six months of med school and failing more than just the first two tests, I was dismissed from med school um, for failing too many tests.
0: Oh, right. Right. OK. So. There's a lot to unpack here. So, uh, so this is one of these classic crisis points. Not, look, I hear these stories every week and I've been doing this for over 15 years where I meet people and they're at this particular crisis point that at some point, maybe in the first year, maybe in the second year. And this is people aren't posting this on Facebook. People aren't wearing T-shirts. Uh, people don't have plaques on their office wall. In their hospital or in their op- doctor's office, like, "Hey, yeah, I failed my first year of med school where I got kicked out of med school, but that's certainly where you are and again, I really appreciate you uh deciding to share this because this is the story, this is the kind of story that I just think that again, I hear this all the time, but I feel like when people are in it and I know that that's where you are, nobody is sharing this. Nobody's talking it so let's let's talk about this first year, Mike so you 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 take that first test and Belly flop, right? So, what can you tell me about that first test? This first year of mid school, first test. First test, you know,
1: you've been successful through college, no real problems. And so you come in, you're around a bunch of other people that have all done the exact same thing as you have, been successful in college, and everybody comes in, takes this first test, and you you study the same way you did in college, you go through, you take this test, thinking it's gonna be the same as every other test you've taken. And instead of getting your normal 85 to 95, you know, miss a couple of questions, go on to the next one, end up with uh, 55. And is that, that, Mike, is that a real number?
0: That That was a real number. number? Yeah. Yeah. That was a real number. (laughs) And 10 years later, I still still remember that number. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that leaves a mark. So you get this 55, which is just a, I mean, it's probably a trauma, right? Like, no, no exaggeration to call that a trauma, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the first time you've ever gotten a, a, a score that low after being in yeah. school for 20 years.
0: Yeah. And then everybody's talking about it, right? Everybody's like, hey, what, what's some of the chatter going on in this very new group that you're just now forming with? Your life depends on your performance. What, what can you just say briefly about that? Yeah. So you're starting to make all these new
1: friends. Everybody's new. Every, you know, everybody's in a new situation and trying to figure it out. So you have people complaining because they didn't do as well as they thought they were going to. And so you're like, oh, you know, you you did somewhere close to what I did. And then they tell you the score and they got a 94 or an 85 or, you know, mm-hmm. a 92. And you realize you're in a completely different league and don't really know even how to get out of it.
0: It's got to be isolating, lonely, terrifying, all that stuff, right? And this isn't even the true crisis point that we're talking about. This is building up to the crisis point. So at your med school, what was the policy on failure? How did that work as far as like a little bit of trouble to a lot of trouble?
1: Well, you could you could start and then classes were kind of blocked differently on a rotating basis. So basically, you could have three failures within any time in the first year. And at that point, you had to repeat and go in front of the student promotions committee and then they would decide, you know, to bring you back or if, you know, they thought it was better that you moved on and did something else.
0: Right. So you, so you, 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 you failed the first test and you're freaked out. And I'm sure that means you, and, and, I, and I know you studied more. you some people might not realize the, the speed volume density equation of med school, and maybe they're not studying enough, but that wasn't your situation. You were studying like, more than your peers right
1: yeah they were all going out to dinner having a good time they would go work out at the gym and i was sitting in a room by myself studying trying to catch up because you start behind off the first test and so you're like all right the next one i'm gonna go i'm gonna work harder i know what to do now and go harder but that still it still didn't work right because then you 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 take that second
0: you got the second test and you failed the second test as well
1: yeah I think I went up like three percent something ridiculous, and but you're studying twice as much. you know you're not all these friends that you made in the first week and that you see are doing well, then you know they're continuing to do well, and you have no idea why you know you're not and what you need to do and how to fix it, and you're already behind, and then it's still trying to keep up with something that's as rigorous as
0: anything as we've ever done. Yeah, you can't compare it. Like the, just the the speed, volume, density. Like I said, of med school. So basically, you end up failing multiple classes. And by, how long did it take you to rack up those three failures?
1: It was about four months
0: before yeah. I was completely done and out. So you you you. So walk us through what this is like. So in med school, I and mean, you're you know you're flying blind. You're just you're head down. You're either head down churning, or you're being called in, or you know sort of being. Um, updated on on your on your status as, as your standing as a med student so walk us through what happened after you get these three fails you then what like what 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 happens to somebody at that point
1: yeah so even before that you're you know you have a test every three to four weeks and so you're trying after the first test you're trying to talk to everybody you can you're talking to biochem professors and anatomy professors and you're trying to talk to other students and figure out what they're doing and you're trying to talk to the learning specialist that the school had on staff. And you're just, you know, you're trying to do anything you can to catch up and figure out what the thing that everybody else has that you don't have to be able to keep up with the information to be able to do all these tests. You you, know, you, you go and you try that, that new thing for two weeks and then you do a little bit better, but you're still behind. So you're not able to catch up and you're, you're trying to study and trying to learn how to study And so with our situation, they they gave you three fails. Once you failed, then you had to go to the go to before the student promotions committee. Um, And
0: I've I've heard a lot of these stories. And I mean, it sounds awful. So you're going in front of this committee, this sort of like anonymous. uh, Like they don't know you. You don't know them necessarily. You're just you're just like on their docket. And I don't mean to sound harsh about it, but it sounds like somebody like as a learning specialist who works with med students and doctors. I've been hearing these stories for years, and you know, I, and I heard your story when I met you, but it just sounds awful, right? Because these people are going to, you know, going in, they're going to decide is is Mike going to be allowed to continue, which probably means come back and repeat the first year, or is he out? Is that is that is that about the size of it? Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. You you know, you dress up in your suit, you try and look professional, you go and sit in a room with. You know, a biochem professor that's been at the school for 20 years and an anatomy professor and, you know, people that that know of you but don't know you, don't know what's going on, don't know what you're, you're trying to do. They see your numbers in a file and that's what they're basing their decision off of a 20, 30 minute conversation and the, you know, the numbers in your file and the scores that you've gotten on your test meanwhile they don't know that you've been you know trying everything you can to to get out of this hole and trying to learn how to study and trying to catch up but they just they don't know there's 20 or it's 30 not, yeah, people that not, are having the same meeting
0: right so so you you go there you present and then what was the verdict
1: so after after i had the meeting um i then had to meet with the president who um You basically walk in. The
0: president, wait, the president of the of the the med school. Yeah, the president of the college, um, the
1: med school, and so so I go in. There are multiple other people had failed before me. They had gone through the meetings. They had gotten their letters that they were allowed to repeat. So that was the that was the assumption that was what was going to happen. Going through my meeting, going through the process, that it would all you know it would happen and go through and be
0: able to repeat. Yeah, like a hoop you jump through. You go before the committee. They break you over the coals a little bit, and then they give, they send you the, the notarized letter or, or whatever. And then, like, hey, you're back in. Get your get your act together, fix what you got to fix, and come back. So a lot of people go into these things just sort of waiting for that. But for you, instead of getting the letter, you were notified, "Hey, go to the president's office."
1: Yeah. So I. I in, yeah. So I walk in all dressed up again sit down with the president and what turns out to be the school's lawyer which is never a good sign um, (laughs) sit down the first question the president asks is oh how do you think the meeting went how did it go the meeting about it the
0: promotion you mean like your the presentation to the promotions committee
1: correct yeah
0: yeah and so let's let's rehash
1: it right you go through this whole spiel about how you think it went well you're confident that you're going to be able to come back and do well And, you know, this whole thing kind of sell yourself to this person that, again, that you've never met, doesn't know you from the next person, but has your file and can see that you have not done well, which is already embarrassing in the first place because you're, you know, you're with someone that has already gone through, has already been successful. And so, you know, you sell yourself to this person, expecting them to be like, okay, well, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again, try harder, blah, blah, blah. And instead, you get the conversation that you are dismissed from school, you're not to come back, you know, everything you've worked for up to this point is over, you're now $50,000 in debt because you just paid tuition for a year of med school, you paid rent on your house that you're sitting in, you know, by yourself because you don't have any friends because they're all in school still. And so, you you know, you're in this situation with the president of the college was basically telling you your whole life path has changed, your mom's told everybody that their son's a doctor that you know everybody knows you went to med school, you've told all your friends, and so now, six months in, fifty thousand dollars in debt, you're now
0: kicked out of med school. You are kicked out right it's um I mean, it's brutal and I think like the idea of, like yeah, all your friends from college they know where you are, your mom and extended family. Yeah, they're already like, yeah, he's going to be our physician or whatever. I mean, you know, people not not people not in the field don't understand. Um, yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's awful. And then and then you're still living in this town. So what so what happens then? So you're kicked out. Is there is there there must have been some step of recourse you could have taken or something. Right.
1: Yeah. So at that point, they they gave you three weeks to appeal the decision because it's just a it's five professors decision off of a committee that's what you know they volunteered to be on a committee that that sees these cases so at that point you have three weeks to appeal um but also you're kicked out of school you know you have to you have to figure out what's going on you have student loans you have to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life
0: because Um, it's looking like most likely even with the appeal you're most likely not going to get back in that's at least a fair a fair point of view in that point in time for you, right? Correct. And so
1: you're, you're basically, you've been working through high school, through college, you know, you spent six or eight years of your life going to this point and getting through, through to be a doctor. And then in two weeks, it all gets stopped. It stops dead in its tracks. And so then you're trying to scramble and figure out one, I have to, I have to pay rent. Um, My student loans are up in two months. All the money's gone. You know, you're trying to figure out what, What to even do? Do you get a job? Do you go to grad school? Do you go to PA school? You know, you're trying to just try any avenue to get out of this situation that you're in.
0: And you're, you're, but you're also, it's like you're in a limbo. You're you're stuck in this, in this, this like sort of stasis, this limbo ish pod, this in between world, because you're living in town where your med school is. You are dismissed, but this three week window where you've got to, figure out how to write that silver bullet of a letter, the miracle Hail Mary letter to, to convince them to let you back in. Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, so you have three we- weeks to, to even decide because, you know, we're six months in, it has not gone well. Do you, even though you've worked, you know, the past six or eight years to get to this point, do you decide, Hey, maybe they're right. Maybe this isn't for me. Hey, do you do something easy? Do you completely switch paths? You know, I was right, because cause, because yeah, because even if the
0: miracle, oh. even if the miracle is granted, it's like wait a second. Again, it's like the whole the, the idea of like I got into med school, I made it right. Just like that's like this sort of misperception I think a lot of people make. Because um, yeah, you still got to do the work, still got to make it through, got to get through your steps, got to get through residency, all that jazz. Right. Likewise, the idea of even if they grant you permission to come back, what's to say it's going to be different this time? They say hope hope is not a strategy. Like it's an old military statement, right? It's not a strategy. And if you're like, well, I was already working harder than everybody else. Um, and you know, and, and I got filleted by, by during that, that run, it certainly makes sense that, cause I guess maybe if, even for me, it's like, oh yeah, that is a factor. Like you then have to decide, like, am I gonna, am I gonna stick in this? Correct?
1: Yeah. Because you've just gone through the most miserable six months of my life. Um, miserable. It's, it's hard, you know, other people, it's, it's definitely in the top five worst times in anyone's life that they can go through, especially as a 23 year old, you really don't have that much life experience, but you know, you, you now have no job, you have no future. You, all your friends from college are moving on. They have jobs, they have kids, they have families, all your friends from med school. It just keeps turning. They're in school, they're in class, they're studying, they're still 80 hours a week. And you're, you know, sitting in a rental house, hours away from any family, by yourself, trying to figure out how to dig your life out of this tailspin.
0: Well, and then, so that's big picture. But even day to day living during these three weeks, I mean, do you even want to go to the gym or go out for dinner or drinks with these people? You don't. Do you even want to see them? Because it's just more, I, I presume, humiliation and embarrassment, especially for the people you only peripherally know or generically know. Is that a part of it? Yeah, yeah, because our class was 200. So
1: you have a couple of, you know, three or four close friends that know actually what's going on, but the majority of people you see in class or you see in passing. And so then all of a sudden they just don't see, don't see you around. And it's the same thing happened. I was still in class and people would just, their, their chair would be empty one day. And then oh. nobody knows, nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows where they are. <laughs> nobody knows if they're still around. And so people well, just is, disappear.
0: And this is a different era process. too, yeah, this is back what, what are we talking here like 12 13 years ago something like that? Yeah. So back then, you know, now there's so much more like on-demand learning, remote learning. People could be n- not go to class and only watch on but that wasn't really the culture at your school at that time, right?
1: It was more no, like people went to class and were sitting yeah, in like class. Really and get get a seat and-
0: yeah, yeah, signed seats too, right? Yeah, and like and like it was like you could tell when somebody was gone. And it really stood out, correct?
1: Yeah, you had your little name tag and you had your little basket of pencils and all those things. And those things just stayed almost like a like a memorial to the people that, that were gone. But that stuff <laughs> all stayed because you're not going to come back and clean out your Post-it notes and pencils and your little name tag stays. And so nobody else is going to sit in your seat because, you know, you're gone, so, yeah.
0: Uh, and, and, you know, I think a, a lot of our med students and, and physicians, at whatever point the crisis point comes along, large, by and large, not equipped to deal with failure. Not, not, not equipped, because it's not like you, like I failed all these times in my life. I mean, sure, I meet some people like that. But by and large, this is the, not only the first failure, it is such a staggering, I mean, I guess the, the size and scope of the failure. And it's not like you're equipped with that, right? Not equipped for failure, not equipped for how to ask for help how to seek help, how to how to articulate what kind of help you need. You don't even know how to formulate those questions because it's like, is, this a, is it a knowledge-based issue? Is it a study skills-based issue? Is it a test-taking issue? You don't even really have that kind of sensitive vocabulary. You're just going to like the biochem professor saying, I need help. And they're like, well, maybe you need to study more. <laughs> or you're asking your peers and they're like, well, you know, I like to mix it up. I studied biochem for a while. Then I f- switch over to anatomy or, you know, just stuff that's not really tangibly going to make a difference. And I think that's, it's all part of the the conundrum that you guys find yourselves in. Right.
1: Yeah. And you're just trying to find whatever straw that can make you survive until the next test. But eventually it, it just isn't enough. And nobody, right. you know, right. you can't talk to your family. Like, your mom tells you just do more flashcards and study more and work harder and get more sleep. You know, even your friends in med school that are doing well. They can't give you advice because they're
0: doing well. So, yeah. No, absolutely. So, you know, you're in this this three-week limbo period. 3 to 6 week limbo period. You're 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 trying to decide what you're going to do. Maybe you're going to make that write that letter, try to make it the silver bullet. But then you're also I think exploring other options in your life, right? you're like looking at other grad programs and stuff like that. Am I on the right track here? Yeah. So but
1: during this time, you just assume you're out of med school. You assume the decision's made. They're not going to change your mind. So you have to figure out, you have about three months to figure out what's going to happen in the next year of school. Cause all you know is being in school. So that's, that's what you're trying to go right back into. So you, Mm -hmm. you know, I started applying to physiology masters and medical science masters and, you know, trying to just find a plan to, to get in somewhere because and, yeah because you can't you just know. like
0: show up somewhere that when school starts on september 1st you can't just show up on the 29th of august and say let me into your program and you've got to plan these things out so this is getting close to where you and i met what year what year is this 2009 This was 2009 when we met yeah okay so we're getting close to that so you you end up coming to town where i live where i was where i live in huntington west virginia and you're you're going you're poking around marshall university um, Looking for, I think you go. Maybe you went to the back They have a postback biomed program, which you've been, you have sort of been admitted to prior, but then you didn't need to go there because you got into you got into med school. um And so I think you poked around there a little bit. Like maybe you were thinking like, I'm going to go do this postback program, but they were like, Sorry, uh, you're damaged goods. Is that is that right? I mean, they didn't say they didn't call you damaged goods, but they might. No, but that
1: that that's a feeder program to get into med school. That was a program to yeah, to support. give you your shot to. To prove yourself to be able to get into a med school somewhere, and so by the time I'd already failed out of med school, you—that's not the program for me. That's not. That's, it's they not. made that very clear, and they—you yeah. know—that wasn't an option. So there were other, you know, cardiology, electrophysiology, masters, and so you're just trying to be somewhere close to medicine because that's what you like to do. That's what interests you—science, you know, human body, that kind of thing. So you're trying to yeah, but, but find something. Like,
0: but my not but for you it wasn't just be a doctor you wanted to only be an emergency medicine doctor right that was it yeah that was it like you've been you you've shadowed you'd, you'd explored this like the lifestyle the mentalities how your brain's wired like you, you didn't just like say i want to be a doctor and figure it out you're like i want to be an emergency medicine doctor
1: and then yeah, like, i mean i was in, i did night school when i was in college and got my emt so i was an emt in college you know, I did research first year with with the ER residents at the yeah. local program. You know, I was everything I was doing was building up to, you know, after you
0: graduate, ER residency, moving through there. Yeah, that's what that that was, and again, I think that's an important point to underscore. So you're, but you know, like you said, at that age of twenty three, you've never been outside of academia. Yeah, you just think I'm going to go back into this. So you're poking around different programs, and I think somebody while you're on campus. Somebody must have directed you toward me,
1: right? yeah, so one of the deans i was I was speaking with, and we talked about you know still wanting to be in med school, still wanting to go to med school, and so he's like, well, if you're having all these issues, then you know you you were running a study skills program at Marshall yep. at that time. It was a yep. three minute walk from his office where i you know just happened to be meeting with him on a random Tuesday because I was out of school, I didn't have anything to do, so I went up and met with him on a Tuesday, and you know luckily you happen to be in your office that day and you know then our kind of our lives have intertwined for the past 10
0: years yeah so I'm I mean I remember this and I I have a very so I I was running this little program at Marshall for med students who you know might have like some learning issues for study issues that's sort of where I got uh, one of one of the aspects of how I started with this whole in this whole field so I'm sitting in my office and I'm like I said, I'm running this small little program there. These these five week study skills courses. Now, now I cover the same amount of like there's a lot of a lot, a lot of different stuff going on in that. But now like our our ten day stat med class sort of covers those the things that I found to be uh, important during that. But anyway, I'm sitting in my office, you know, and then then you stick your head in. I've I've never seen you before. I don't know you. You're like hey, I was like uh, hey. And you sort of, you know, invite yourself in. I was like, yeah, come on, have a seat. Let's talk. And you explain your situation. You know, this is describing to me the, the walloping you just took as your, in your first year. And I'd already met a lot of people and I understood the, the crux of that problem. And, you know, we, we, you know I, I guess I remember how raw it was and, and you were in that limbo space. We don't know if you're getting back into med school or not or what you're going to do. But I think you knew at the core, at the very least, it was a study-based issue. I mean, now we might say it was study based and test taking based, but even back then I didn't have the fidelity in my own in my own models to really to really parse that, right? And so you sit down and I'm like, yeah, you and you know, and I, I think I sized you up. I have a pretty good radar for these things. It's like this guy's got his head screwed on straight, he's passionate, he's hungry, he's working hard, he just does not have the skills, he does not have the tools, he doesn't have the methodology. Um, I figure this is a guy I can probably help. I can help him unlock his his aptitude and really navigate med school and boards and i you know i think i said to you something like i'd love to help we have a class coming up unfortunately for you it's full uh, and there's already a wait list uh sorry <laughs> good luck <Yeah>. young man <laughs> yeah
1: and we and i was in kind of a, and i was kind of in a time period where you know my future still—we didn't know what was going on. Right. I was still right. waiting for my appeal meeting to go through, and so and it didn't
0: sound good. It didn't sound good. It was like this sounds like he's probably not going to get back into med school.
1: No, and and I was going to do your program just for whatever was next. Like that wasn't going to be my yeah. key back into into med school where I failed out. That was that was for whatever was next. And yeah, know, I, th- I think I think you knew
0: you wanted to be in med school. I think we knew or we knew that you wanted to be in medicine. Maybe that meant. I mean, so the advice like PA school. Maybe you would go into physical therapy. Maybe you'd go. So we didn't know. You didn't know. I didn't know, of course. But I think we were both like, th- "There, like, and let's add some study skills that that tie directly into the study of medicine, and give this guy agency and give this guy control, so that you know he's he's in the driver's seat, not just being abused in the in the in the in the, in the like passenger seat." Which is kind of How I think things have been going for you. So, you know, I felt bad. And you, and you made, like, a very, like, serious appeal to me. I mean, you, I, like, we've been talking for 15 minutes. I never met you before. Um, but you're like, why is it capped at 10? Because it was 10 students in the class. And I was like, uh, I don't know. It's a small classroom. Uh, it's hard to put a yeah, lot of bodies the in there. Chairs. Was it? What's we that? Chairs. We had 10 yeah, chairs. Yeah, 10 chairs. I guess, like, yeah, like there's there room for 10 seats. And I think you're like, could you maybe put 12. And to which, in the back of my mind, I'm like, probably. But I was just like, you know, it's just that weird, like, that was what I inherited with the program. That was how things were done. I already already had people on the wait list. And it was like, huh, could I do 12? And I think I was like, well, you know, if I were to overload the class, you might not have some of the fringe benefits. Because just other logistics I had to work out. I wasn't being lazy. I was just being like, that's not how things are done. But, you know, you left an impression and you left. I was like, I'll think about it. I'll see what can happen. But you were like number 12. I think there was somebody in front of you. Yeah. And I, what happened was I thought about it. I think I I poked around. I think I went in the classroom. I was like, yeah, you can do this. It's just tight. And then I guess I called you later, right? What do you remember about that? Yeah, I remember we
1: left and it was, you know, you're you're going to see what happened. You basically told me if somebody dropped and you could, you know, I could be the 10th, if you know. Somebody dropped and the person on the wait list decided yeah. not to come. Yeah, you said it was kind of flexible. People sometimes dropped and, yeah. you know, so that's, we left it up in the air. If somebody dropped, there was room. If not, then I could take the class in six months the next time, which but was, that in, would be, you know, but
0: that would only work if you were not back in med school. Cause it would be, it would have been in the fall. Correct. Right.
1: And so I went home, you know, I continued to look for grad schools my my meeting for my appeal, you know, kind of came through. It was you had to put in a letter and go through a formal appeal process and go back through a different student promotions committee. Um and so at that time, right in that area, you, you decided that you know you could make room in the class. Um I had to go back through the committee. And so, right in that area, was when you know you decided that I could take the class, whether I got back into school or not. And fortunately, the appeal was successful. I went through the meeting, and you know I had a plan. I used well, I think yeah, we, th- we
0: talked about. It. Hold on, Mike. Let me just interject. Yeah, so so you so you wrote your silver bullet. Let me try to get back into in, into school letter, right? Right. They they granted you and then but you so then you had like you had to go before them and make your case, and you used part of and some, and again sequence I'm not exactly sure but you did use the fact that you were going to do my class, and as part of your, you know your argument to hey let me back in because I think people and I'm not an expert in dealing with promotion committees but I've obviously talked with hundreds of people about this I think you have to. Show them, make it a believable argument that when you, if they grant you permission to come back, it's going to be different. Like that's the whole like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. I think part of what you did was you convinced them that if they let you back, it is not going to be the same thing in part because you were going to go do this class and this class was going to directly impact. The negative outcomes you had It was going to teach you ways to manage the information, ways to organize it, ways to encode it, ways to be active, ways to move away from passive studying. You, you know, and, and part of the problem, I think, is med students don't have this vocabulary. They don't have the vocabulary to even talk about where things went right and wrong with study. It's just like, you might say, I don't know how to study, but it's not as more as nuanced. But I think you were able to use whatever stuff I had at the time to make that argument. And that was uh, we can speculate that that was part of why they let you back. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, and during the first meeting, you you basically say you're going to study harder, you're going to get better, you're going to work harder, and so that kind of goes both ways. You know, they think that you haven't studied hard enough the first time, but right. you know you yeah. have, you know you put the time in, you know you've studied hard, but it just wasn't efficient studying. And so then when you have a separate plan that isn't just work harder, that isn't just study more, that isn't just you know try harder that then they look and say, well, maybe you give this person another chance because they're going to go do this extra outside thing. You know, I had to, you know, it was three hours away from my house. I had to go live someplace else to do this class. It was a, a financial investment. It was a time investment. And yeah. so I think they recognized that that, that you're going to put the effort in. And so I think that definitely helped with the second
0: meeting. Yeah. And then, And then what? You got the certified letter saying, congratulations, you're back in?
1: Yeah. So, you know, you go through this meeting again, you sell yourself, you you do sell the new plan. And then, you know, two weeks later of this three month process of failing to getting kicked out of med school, to finding a plan to, to change what's going to happen next time, to then meeting again, to meeting with the president, to then finally getting a, a re-acceptance letter, which was much more emotional than getting the first initial acceptance letter even to get in because you had to fight so hard and you've kind of been told no so many times to even get back in just to be able to start
0: over well yeah because you know now you know the odds are definitely stacked against you and once you're dismissed i mean the odds are against you i think um it certainly seems like that right
1: well and your name's always on a list so your name's on a list your margin of error is so much smaller even coming back which is even more stressful because you're trying to go back in you're trying to do well you're trying to be successful but you're already it's already more stressful than it was the first time because you've already done it you've already done it poorly and now your name's on a list your your chances are much fewer and so oh, yeah. There,
0: I mean, yeah, now you're, you're marked in, in, in the criteria for what constitutes being in trouble with change. But let's first talk about, okay, so we, we've sort of talked about the crisis point of getting kicked out and then the fight to get back in. And then just real briefly, so you did the class, which is sort of a proto, I mean, a sort of a different version of the statmed class that we do now, study skills class. So, you know, you sort of came in and I think like based on what I recall, you're old, like, like I said, you were a hardworking guy, smart guy, but you really did a lot of stuff that I think led to what we call the trap of familiarity and the illusion of productivity. Very common issues. Uh, lots of reading and rereading, lots of copying, and recopying, maybe some inefficient word based concept mapping, which I'm sure I was like, Mike, here's why I don't like this and that. Um, you were spending the time, you would put the time in, um, but it, in, in more, more time than others. So you were overcompensating with more time. But again, lacking f- f- being efficient and effective. So I think we added a variety of skills. I think the main ones that you really profited from were like well, we, a version of what has evolved to what we call frameworking, where you find that the hidden structure of the lecture uh, before watching lecture. And I think you did some visual mapping, where you're creating your own visual links to encode information, tapping into you know, your creative, funny, and appropriate. Uh, non-medical imagery, visual memory is more powerful than textual memory. And then I think you were really seizing on the power of retrieval practice, really activating that, really like bringing those. So those are the three skills that I think you really brought on board to carry into the next year. And it's funny, I was thinking about the way we teach this concept of frameworking and we want to really, it's all about like the, the like like hierarchical structure of information, finding that hidden structure in PowerPoints but I remember the day you showed me one of your one of your frameworks and it was all text. It was like this webby bubbly thing. And it was a mess. And you were like, you were just like, how do I how do I see the layers? I was like, I don't know. And you were like, what if I made each layer a color? And I was like, I was probably like, I don't know. See, go try it out. <laughs> and, and, and and you did. And you brought it to me the next day. And you're like, look at this. And I was like, well, that looks interesting. And you, 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 know, you sort of explain the layers because you were saying like five layers or something like that. You identified like most stuff. That's not, you know, not universal. But you would find these like five layers of information, hierarchical information embedded in, say, say like a PowerPoint lecture. And you were using the colors to delineate the hierarchy. Now, look, I've evolved that and I've built that into the fabric of this frameworking skill that I've taught for the last 10 years. And that 100% came from you. So that is paid forward over the years. But the reason I, I, one of the reasons I point this out is I'll never be a med student. I'll never like know what it's like to study as a med student for a month or a week. Um, But I understand the design of med school. I understand where things break down for people. And I understand the skills that need to intervene. But it comes from, and this is why you and I have had such a long relationship, is like, I will listen to you guys explain to me what works and what doesn't. And then you'll you'll say, well, this works because of this and that. And then we sort of adopt that and build that into the the systems. And and you definitely create helped, you know, formulate that. Do you remember that? Like the, like this. The, the, this is relevant for you, right? Like the, these colors and these layers. Yeah, because that's how I did it all the way through. Once
1: it was set, I had the same four or five pins, the same colors. And so that would tell you where the information was when you went back on the test and would try to figure out, you know, the difference between one or two different little details. And so those those little details were always in the same level. And so you could see where they were and you could the colors help you see the levels down of information.
0: Well, and it, so it, that it, made would, you, it made you purposefully identify and encode them that way that then facilitated retrieval. This is really getting into building that closet, which I I think with you, your brain doesn't do it. You're like one of what I call a single tracker. You're one of these classic single track brains. You can either build structure or build details or or jam details. And what you learned to do with this frameworking skill was, since you didn't do it automatically, you, you, you purposely did it. So when you went back to school, I think that was definitely you know we, and we 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 touched base and whatnot over, over that time that was a key part for you and and to me it's like that's what he's doing before lecture finding structure with his multi-layer multi-color uh pro, frameworking process really emphasizing structure and I feel like that unlocks things I mean if you come out of every lecture behind which I'm sure is what you were doing the first time through you're sitting there trying to suck up information. And it was probably just at best being jammed in the closet in a disorganized fashion. One thing I say is, I think learning at the medical school level has to start with organization. I think the majority of med students innately and, like, innately and sub- maybe even subconsciously organize the information. And I think you were on the opposite end of that spectrum. So by yeah. adding that, it changed things.
1: And also going back, you... Once you have the, the terminology and the, the strategies, you then see people doing different strategies, and you're like, that's what they're doing. Like, so they were doing memory palaces or they were doing frameworking to then be able to make the time that they spent the eight hours in lecture more efficient instead of having to sit in lecture, getting lost halfway through, then yeah. trying to, you know, waste the next half an hour of a lecture until the next one started. And so then, not having to go back at night, having to relisten the lectures, getting lost in the middle of it again <sighs> and then have to redo it. So that's what people were doing was was they had a way to organize the lecture so that they got the framework the first time so that then once five o'clock came around, they were done sitting in class all day. They could then go and actually remember and, you know, encode the information that then was important for the test.
0: But if yeah, you don't using something, some time. kind of retrieval practice, using some sort of retrieval practice or something, right? And, yeah, I, I think part of what we do anytime we teach is, like, we're teaching smart, motivated people learning theory. But learning theory grounded in the very nature of studying in, in med school and studying for boards, how that might work. And having the names of the skills and the rationale with the skills. Because, yeah, you and I would talk, and then we had a, a common vocabulary. And once we have a common vocabulary, because you went through the class and, you know, you got all my specific vocabulary and rationales, we could troubleshoot it easier. We could say, well, yeah, do this. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Or why? Why? More often than not, I'd say, why? And then you would give me a rationale. Well, I'm doing this because. And then we could see, you know, if if it was going to work or not. So. So, yeah, so you go back into school and you know, I don't know that we would, would you say it was smooth sailing the whole way, part of the way, once you, so you're going back repeating first year, which again, totally annihilated you the first time. But now you've, you know, you've got the, you've got the class under your belt, you've got the skills, you've sort of got me as a, as a resource. You go back, what can you say about that experience?
1: Yeah. So you, you, initially you go back in with way more confidence. Because you you spent a year just getting beat down and not able to keep up. And so then you have the skills, you have the confidence to go back in. That's the biggest thing I remember after leaving the summer with you and going back, seeing all these people again was that you have the confidence and the tools that you need to be able to take care of the information that's going to come at you.
0: And that's because you did something proactive. Because it is pro. I I mean, you're reacting to the experience, but you're like, I'm going to go acquire new things I did not have. And you knew, I mean, because you knew and I I like it because it turned a negative experience. One of the worst years of your life. But like like, since you experienced that and we gave you the skills, it then made it more like, oh, like I, I now I can take this bad experience and learn from it and build off of it. And then you go back in. Right right because you know what's coming you
1: know it's the same information's coming you know how fast it's coming you yep. know you know what's coming at you it doesn't get easier you don't you don't automatically know all the information because you've done it before no. cuz i really didn't know that much information the first time i didn't get that much of it because right. i couldn't study and so yep. you're basically starting over but this time you have Ways to I've got these 17 nerves I need to remember. And now you have tools to be able to put those together and separate them and make your way through them to to be able to on test day identify it and go through it.
0: Right. So now um, you're you know, we're sort of on on the downside of the crisis point and. You're you're in you're in that first year you're, you're repeating first year doing pretty well month after month after month right but there are there is like a little mini crisis point even on this return that you, you told me about um, yeah, so when, yeah I went margins back margins of error stuff like that let's talk about that
1: you go back you do well in the first seven or eight tests there every couple of weeks and so you know you have small little tests thrown in there a hundred questions total for the entire class but you know, so that with that, your margin of error is very low. One, two questions either way. And that is a huge percentage of your entire class. And so, so about Mike,
0: let me just let, let me let me interject here, right? So since it's like high stakes testing, pretty much, it's not like you're, get, you're getting all these participation points and gimme points like in, in undergrad, it's a few tests. So number one, in general, if you're a med student, the margins are narrow, like, three fails, you fail three blocks and you're, you're in big trouble. Is it the same or different as a repeating first year? As a repeating student's
1: even worse. You have basically one failure before you start the whole process again. So you're already behind- Wait, what's
0: process? What, what do you mean process? The whole,
1: the whole uh, promotions committee process to where so you, you meet you with them. you fail
0: one block. You fail one block and it's back to the guillotine, back to the tribunal, back to the committee. Where it's like evaluate and determine your fate right then, right?
1: Back to selling yourself for the rest of your life oh. immediately. So, wow. you know, seven months in, you fail a class that has 110 questions by one question.
0: You miss it by...
1: No, no, this is true. This is exact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is, the, this is our, our second... This is a mini crisis point. This isn't like a full-blown crisis. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is. So we're not calling it as such. But so now you're back, you've, you've done well, done well, done well. You're near the end of the semester, I, I, the end of the year,
1: I take it, right? End of the year. Yeah, you're eight months in, everything's gone well. You're high 80s, low 90s. You're able to, you know, you're able to breathe a little bit, but still working hard, still going through, still doing so, the Michael, work. Okay, let
0: me ask you this. So, so does the do, does the stress get stay the same? Does it as you're working through month by month by month, proving yourself to yourself and, and to the school that, that you're not an imposter, that you deserve to be there? Because you can't fake. I, I think anybody can fall down the steps and score lower than maybe their aptitude indicates, but you don't fall up the steps. If you're hitting 80s, 90s, you're good. You know, you, you belong. Um, does it get less stressful as you're like, say, month five, six or, or what, what, how does it feel stress wise? How are you managing that?
1: It does, it does get less because you're further away from failing. So you're like, yeah. okay, this is going well. You're getting more comfortable taking tests. You're getting in, you know, you have a study groove. You know where you're studying. You know what the schedule is. So the stress gradually decreases. It's never going away. It's never less than less than college, less than when you started. But it is gradually decreasing you're as you're working through. You're proving but, yourself. But- right. You, you, you show you can do it. Things are going well. You know you're working hard and the the hard work is paying off but that stress is two questions away from skyrocketing again and it comes right. right back as soon as you as soon as you have any type of trouble again
0: well and so i guess that brings you it brings us to like was this like one of the last blocks of the first year
1: yes yeah, so i probably had a month left uh to first year and it was a small class in addition to some of the other ones I think it was hundred to hundred and ten questions, you know passing seventy you missed two or three questions too many, and you're at a sixty nine point four and you just failed your your one class for the year and that's what
0: happened that's that's what happened
1: that, that's exactly what happened
0: <laughs> so this is a crisis this is a this is a i mean to me i i mean I don't know we talked about this before, but this sounds like a, a potential crisis, I guess so what is the outcome so then you're back to the Promotions committee?
1: Yeah, so the whole process starts again. They have to evaluate what has happened through the year, your year before. They all still have all that information. And so you're going through and you're having to show that you've done well for seven, eight months and that you belong again. And so this
0: is this is this is concurrent with why you're still in classes for the next block,
1: right? Yeah, because just because you fail one, you can't let the next one slide and then you're absolutely done. You're absolutely kicked out. Yeah. And so you're, you know, you're studying all morning, you know, and then on a one o'clock on a Thursday, you go and meet this same group of people that kicked you out, you know, 10 months before to (sighs) sell that you actually belong and that you can do this. And, you know, you missed two questions extra and that's, you just didn't perform on one test, but the margins of error are so small on small tests and then even smaller after you've already had trouble
0: right so because if you fail another one first of all you're done if you yeah. fail like then done and, and and then this one they could have kicked you up but they but i guess obviously they said okay let's and maybe your track record the fact that this didn't happen on the first block but it happened eight months in certainly to your benefit um but man, you know, the wind blows a different way. Who knows? There's a lot of there's a lot of like what if sliding door type stuff happening here whenever you start. I'm, I'm sure this is uncomfortable to reflect on. And I appreciate you sharing these like just, you know, horrible wounds to your psyche and your your soul and all that stuff. But so they, they let they let you they, they said, OK, so you finish out the year, but you still have to take the test. Now, we were talking about this on the phone before the interview. And I said, "Did you pass? I guess you passed the test." And what you literally said to me was, "Yeah, I retook that one fail in the summer. No big deal. I passed it." And I was like, "Oh, cool. No big deal." But then I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> no big deal, but was it wasn't no big deal?" Well, <laughs> like, your tell, question like, was your your
1: question was what happened if you didn't pass it? Right. And so then you're stopping. You think, "Well, it's game over again." Like they you. Because that's and, you know they they let you repeat you failed a class they let you take the class again and if you don't pass that class again there's there's no path forward they're not going to let you move on to second year they're not going to let you repeat first year for a third time so you know and that that test was still a hundred questions so you right. you had one question in you know midsummer you had one test a hundred questions for the rest of your life again. And so, So, so,
0: yeah, I was I was sort of shocked at first because I was like, oh, no big deal. Cool. Wait, was it no big deal? And I think I think we can both conclude it was indeed a big deal.
1: (laughs) And that's what we're talking about. It was a big deal. It was no big deal because it went well, but it was a huge deal at the time and a huge deal if it doesn't go well. And so that and every test going forward becomes a bigger deal. Yeah. If you don't do well.
0: Right. There's no wiggle room. Um, So, yeah. big. So all that. And then you go to second year. And can we say if there were any crises uh, in the second year? Fingers crossed. Second year went well. I passed all my classes through the year. Everything pushed through second year. Second year was great. And, you know, you talk about some of the, you know, some of the like, you know, you start pivoting away from classroom stuff start focusing on your step one level one um so the stress points change and i'm always worried for you guys like are you going to take your eye off the ball back half a second year and you know like fail a class because you're studying for level one step one too much but you know that wasn't the case for you but uh, that is a pivot that's that's something you got to keep your eye on right the balance the balance between the two
1: It definitely happens to people. They you get so focused trying to study boards, and it's you know as big of a pressure of a test as ever because it's it's the test that keeps you from being in the classroom, actually going out on rotations, and and actually getting to do what you go to med school for. And so nobody's going to
0: to be a med student, right? Nobody's going. Nobody's. I can't wait to go to med school to be a med student. It's, It's these are just the painful hoops you have to jump through. Um, so you did that you you take complex level one uh you like the equivalent of your step one and how'd that go
1: so i passed um i think oh, i was yeah, yeah so passing was 400 i barely passed i was at 415 420
0: that's with, that's not skinning your teeth right
1: yeah that's probably about we figured it out it was probably between five and 20, 10 questions on a 400 question test And so you're, you know, you take
0: 20 minutes of that test off and it goes a very different way. Yeah. When I, when I work with complex students, I mean, we're like, no, like we want nothing less than 450 on like your NBOMEs, maybe closer to 500 because of just variance and fluctuation. Um, And, you know, we weren't really talking. And so now I look at everything through like, like a, a two, like two different pillars. Like pillar ones, like study side, where that you take the information, you organize it and code it, make it retrievable, applicable. But the other, the other column is the test taking. And back then, when we were meeting, they they sort of were linked together. I, I I didn't have like a full-on separation of those things, right? So you, you probably compensated the way like you're like spoiler, uh, you're a really bad test taker naturally. Like the way your brain is wired. Is that is that safe to say? I'm not like. trouncing on it sacred sacred <laughs> sacred ground like you're a terrible test taker and so much of the of the stat med boards workshop you know has come from me and you talking either me helping you or running some like beta plans through it or you you helping me create sample questions uh, you know I remember I, I threw you a question and you were like oh I'll butcher this for you because I need to know how somebody might miss it and you're like, oh, I'll miss it for you. Like, thanks, um, because that's just your your default wiring, right? And you offset it using proper stat med methods. But, you know, you're naturally a bad test taker, and that might be even worse than the study side stuff. I mean, doesn't really matter at this point. But, I, I think you definitely needed help on both ends. But, the bad test taker compensates by over studying, by over knowledge, and I think that's certainly what you did, and that's what accounts for that. Rampant swing in your scores. Maybe you're testing around 500, and you hit 412, 415, or whatever on on test day.
1: Um, right. Yeah, because all my practice tests did well. You know, sitting around at my house doing questions. You sit down to a block, you do well, confident going in. Spent the time again using the proper study techniques to be able to do well on it. Yep. Studying with other people that were doing well, people that. You know, and then they took it as well, and and did way better than I did.
0: And I mean, so, you had like people you were studying with hitting like five sixty plus, like stuff that we get them into like anesthesia residencies, and you're yeah. testing right there with them. But then you're testing just scraping over the finish line. Now, what I tell people, you know, now it's like step one switching to pass fail and all that stuff. But I, I still, you know, obviously you you, you don't have a, you take the test and you, you're stuck with the score you get. You know and it's like that i pass? at least you passed it you know but that's sort of where where you were with it but you, you also talked about some of the you passed it but what did you say about that passing score when you found out what the score was
1: well it was it was easily the unhappiest i've been about passing a test because you know how much work you put in you know where you are in comparison to what other people are doing and putting in the work you have all these study skills that you're using to be able to know the information and you're, you're putting all this time in so that you can do well so that you can get the residency you want and everything goes smoothly. And then you, you know, you pass it, but it's not the score anybody wants. Nobody's putting up on Facebook that they barely pass their boards <laughs> and you know, you have the doctors you're working with asking, Oh, you know, you, you got above average and you have to tell them no. And they're like, you know, asking your score and you have to tell them. And so, It's just not like it's not a thing that you're you're proud of, even though you you pass and that's good and you're moving on. But it's just not it's not what you want from the amount of work you put in. And it's not what you needed to do for the future.
0: Right. Because you're thinking about emergency medicine residency. But you're also thinking about the time and energy you put in and the fact that you were seeing these scores in a much that were trending much higher. And then to get something with such a huge gap. From those scores down to the test, and, and again, I think once we got into the test taking down the line, we really figured out where that breakdown was because you were just missing way too many questions you shouldn't have missed based on ba- like our definition of bad test taking
1: um, yeah, because at that point you really didn't have the test taking program separate. That no. wasn't a, a thing that we were working on together, and no. it wasn't even an option at that point.
0: Word, I didn't even you know. understand. I didn't understand at that point where the behavior came in and how the training had to work. I mean, this is all evolved, and we'll talk about this later, but you know, and, th- and then, you know, you got into rotations, your third year into fourth year building up to step two, level two. But one of the quirks about your school at the time is you guys didn't have shelf exams, not real shelf exams, the way that we do now, that we see everywhere now. So you didn't really, because I, I think had you had shelf exams, the bad test taking would have been exposed but you were i mean you did extremely well clinically i just personality wise team wise knowledge wise clinically and that's really what you you were judged on fair is that fair to say
1: right and so then the then the actual testing sit down multiple choice testing was more just practice for then level 2 so you kind of would go every month but it didn't have any any implication on your grade it didn't really matter and so it was more just practice tests To move on, but no
0: stakes, right? Because I, I mean, I mean, a lot of med students who they come to me because they're in trouble with their shelf shelf scores. So you, you know, you sort of were just excelling because it was much more about the clinical, uh, you know, skills and not showing your knowledge clinically. Um, and that and that's sort of where you were, you know. And we were we 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 would talk every now and then, but it seemed like you were well on your way, and then that led to your um, first attempt at complex level two and um i'm how'd that go Uh,
1: i failed that the first attempt (laughs) (laughs) and i failed it by about the same margin as i passed step one so you know your five ten questions on the other side
0: right the flip of the coin it's the flip of the coin for you and that definitely Drew a very stark line in the sand in your life, in your career. So that will be what we're going to come back and talk about that in episode two uh, with Dr. Mike sharing how crisis point two manifested with his issues on level two of his, of his step, his uh, shelving of his, his uh, board exam. And we're going to you know dig into how, how that happened and then how he got out of it and see how All roads led to where he is now, happy, successful, and content. So thanks for listening. Be sure to listen to our next part to see how he got himself out of this particular pickle on level two. Thanks for listening.
1: If you enjoyed this episode,
0: please like and subscribe. And check out our website for other interviews and to get more useful tips and strategies for learning and test taking in medical school, on boards, and in related medical fields. You can find us at statmedlearning.com. Thanks for listening.